0: Where's his Sunday best Mother's touching to rest, the kids are playing up dancing.
1: Sister's
2: saying in her sleep. Brothers got a night to keep you cutting around. In our house.
0: In the middle of our street. Our house. In the middle of a... our house. Hello and incredible.
2: welcome to episode 10. 100- Thirty-four of Section One Thirty-eight. I'm your host, Mark Colley, as always, joined by Bryson and Jacob. How are you guys? Doing good, Mark. Coming off of a series win against the Rays, however, you know
1: a little bit of a disappointing third game, but you take two out of three, and that's what the goal was for me um, coming coming into the weekend. So I'll take it any day of the week for sure.
2: Yeah, you can say what you want about losing that last game, and we will later in this podcast. But hey, you take two of three from the Tampa Bay Rays—that's a win. Any way you can get it? How are you, Jacob?
0: Well, I'm good to be back. I'm happy to be back. Uh, this uh, good series for the Blue Jays overall, like you said, Bryson didn't end uh, didn't end in a very good way, and very concerning. I'll put it that way. Good series overall, but uh, it did highlight, I think, some of the uh, the negatives on this current team.
2: Okay, I'm interested in hearing more about that. How is this series <laughs> concerning? Because Bryson and I just said how that cut my love the result of this series. Like, we just said it was good the, the way the Blue Jays got out of this. So how is the results of this series concerning to you?
0: Well, overall, I think it was good. But when you look at Rafael Dolis, he comes back after his first appearance after uh, coming back from the IL. Three earned runs allowed in a third of an inning, and that just, it, it didn't cut it. He was not uh, extremely good in, in his outing. And it, it showed, I think, that the bullpen, it's getting better we saw adam simber come in he had some good outings uh he uh, in he pitched in the first or in the second game and in the third game actually and he, he had two scoreless outings so that was good but there are still i think some concerns in terms of the pitching and the offense uh, it was really good in the first game i think that was the 11 to one game that was the, the top of the order was fantastic in that one but In the second two games, I noticed that there were quite a lot of offers in terms of guys not getting hits, and I mean, you kind of expect that when you have a good team like the Tampa Bay Rays as your opponent, but I still think that this team is a bit of a work in progress, especially in the the back end of the bullpen, but all in all, I think I will take it. It was still a pretty good series against the Rays, even though that sort of contradicts what I said, but there were things here and there that I think I could criticize, but still it was a decent series.
1: It was a decent series, and um, entering the weekend, especially the fact that there's now two more series left after the one that just happened, so you have Baltimore for three games, and then you have Tampa for three games, So, and at first, these three games against Tampa, which is going to happen on the weekend, are at Tropicana Field, so heading into this past weekend, um, it just felt like a must-win series for the Jays, and that's what they did, it's just the fact that they couldn't get that sweep because they had an opportunity to, I think, at least they could have. And uh, just another one of those frustrating endings, um, and we've kind of seen it all year. So I'm not going to dive into it too much, but you know, I would definitely want to focus on the Friday and Saturday games, like you mentioned, Jacob. It was the 11 to one game on the Friday, and um, I thought pretty much everything was clicking on all sides. Su- cylinders. Alec Manoa arguably has the best start of his career thus far. He goes seven innings, giving up only three hits, no runs, and struck out 10. It was a very impressive outing for him. And uh, we know how the offense pretty much happened. I mean, 11 runs, pretty much everyone was contributing. Marcus Simeon again. Uh, Vladimir Guerrero Jr. with three RBIs. George Springer with two RBIs. It seems like he's starting to Finally, get going, and of course, they kind of revealed the All Star Game starters um, over the past few days. So it's cool to see that, and of course, Bobuchet was recently named as a reserve. So you have four Blue Jays going. You have Simeon, uh, Hernandez, and Guerrero starting, and then you have Bobuchet as a- entering the game as a reserve. So definitely a good couple days for the Jays as well. And, um, so for that reason alone, I'm happy with the series win. And then of course the Saturday game was six, three and, um, Ross Stripling, another good outing for him, five and two thirds and only one earned run and struck out five. So definitely good to see. And someone who continues to impress pretty much everyone. And I think it was kind of expected for me coming out of the bullpen was newly acquired Adam Simber, who comes out again and has another scoreless appearance, especially on the Saturday game. Just one, uh, one inning and only allowed one hit. And that was um, another successful appearance from him. And we know the offense clicked on that day as well. Santiago Espinal was also the highlight who hit his first career home run after all this time. And he had two RBIs. So he was kind of the highlight um, of the game, for my opinion, at least one of the bright spots for sure. And it was good to see uh, how happy everyone was when that happened. And of course, the Sunday game... Doesn't go as planned. Uh, Robbie Ray, as much as um, the game fell apart near the end, Robbie Ray had yet another successful start. Seven innings, only two earned runs, six strikeouts. And, and, we know with the recent struggles of Hunjin Ryu, are we like it's it feels like we're starting to see a slow twist or a slow turn in terms of Robbie Ray, like unofficially becoming this team's ace. I don't know how long that lasts for. All I know is Robbie Ray continues to be good, and um, he's definitely carrying the rotation as of now because of the recent struggles of Ryu as well. But yeah, we know the rest of the story from there. Kind of things kind of imploded in the the ninth inning for the Jays, uh, when Tampa scored three runs in the ninth inning and that kind of sealed it. And yes, Rafael Dolis, uh, freshly off the injured list, comes in And allows three earned runs in a third of an inning. So yes, doesn't end properly. The Jays have an off day today. They have now two more series. They go to Baltimore for three. And then they go to uh, Tampa Bay to close out the weekend as well. Heading into the All-Star break. But yeah, this series alone, I said it on the last podcast. They need at least a series win. And I think that helps their case for sure. And when you look at the wildcard standings now, they're currently four, four or and a half games back. So they're still hanging in there in terms of contention as much as the division still seems to be a little bit more distant. But either way, um, it was definitely a successful weekend in my opinion, for sure.
2: Yeah, and I don't want to focus too much on Deleese because there is a lot of good stuff to talk about. But having him come back from the I.L., I think everyone was hoping that he would come back and be who he was in 2020. Like he figured things out miraculously in his time on the I.L., but... Of course, he comes in, gives up the, those runs, and it's not entirely his fault. You know, the defense behind him, Bobochette making a miscue in throwing over to first after making that stop. He just shouldn't have thrown over to first, but, you know, it is what it is. And, um, I think it seems like every time Dolis comes out, you always need the defense behind him to be perfect, and somehow they always make a mistake. You go back to his last outing, um... I think it was he made two appearances in the four-game series against Boston, and in both of those appearances, there were defensive miscues behind him that kind of got the inning rolling for Boston, and then the Blue Jays screwed it up from that point forward. So I don't know how much we can blame him, but he certainly hasn't been himself this season, and you were hoping he would come back and be himself, but that's not the case Um Charlie Montoyo said from this point forward, he's still going to be using Rafael Delis in high leverage situations. He said the management and himself and Pete Walker are hoping for him to get back to who he was in 2020. Um, I don't blame Charlie Montoyo for going to DeLees in this situation. It's not ideal. You shouldn't use a guy who's just coming off the IL in a one-run ball game in the top of the ninth inning. But he didn't have a choice, right? There was no one else available. We've talked about this before. Romano, yes, he was warming up, but he had already pitched the day before. Adam Simber had already pitched in that game. You have other guys like Anthony Castro who have screwed up things. Castro just got sent down and called back up, so he's not someone you want to trust in that situation. Sacedo has been on a little bit of a roll lately, but he's screwed up opportunities. So there's really no one else to go to, so I don't blame Montoyo for going to Dolis in that situation. But I'm a little bit confused why they insist on still going to him in high leverage situations. Even though he's kind of shown his hand as far as I'm concerned as to what he is this year. Because it, he, he hasn't shown the ability to get batters out. Um, and that's it. Like That's the only thing that I look at with him this season. I don't know why they would insist on keeping going back to him day after day after day. When, yes, the other options aren't all that great, but I think they're probably a little bit better moving forward.
0: Yeah, uh, unfortunately, I just I don't think Rafael Delis has been as consistent as the Blue Jays have needed him to be. And, yes, there have been a couple of IL stints, but even before that, the going into this season, he started off with a scoreless appearance against the Yankees or two scoreless appearances against the Yankees. But going or after that series, his ERA was up to above 10 in the Texas series, Started to go down. I mean, he had only pitched a couple of innings at that time, but it started to go down. It was at the lowest it, this season. It was at 284 on uh, May the 7th in Houston. But since then, it's just been climbing up in the fives, the fours. And when I say that, it's going up to five, then going down to four, back up to five. And currently, it's at 633. And he just he has not been the guy. It's And the thing is, is like uh, going into the season... I trusted trusted him to be the Blue Jays closer. Now I, I in hindsight I would say that Romano is the best pitcher in this uh, Toronto bullpen and he's going to be the closer until until he either falls apart or the Blue Jays miraculously acquire somebody else, which I I don't really think that the closer is an area of need for them right now, but like the thing with Dolis is he just he has not been what we had hoped and what we had expected to. And you go back back when the Kirby Yates-Tommy John surgery announcement came out, we said, okay, well, we had ideally thought that we would have Yates, Dolice and Romano for the back end of the of the bullpen, and they would cover those last couple in- innings whenever needed. Now we're without Kirby Yates, so we have Dolis and Romano who we have to trust, and I trusted them, but... Dolis like it's just I feel like if you're Charlie Montoyo, the best thing you can do is not trust him in high leverage situations until he deems himself worthy to handle those and maybe that is you put him in the middle of the innings or middle innings of the game or in non safe situations or something like that where he can at least prove that he can get guys out because The situations are a little different. Yes, if it's say it's the the ninth inning and It's a one-run ball game. That's obviously different than the sixth inning of three-run game or something but I still would rather see Dolis get innings under his belt at those situations or in those situations than in the ninth inning because there's no room for error when you're coming in in a one-run game and that's just it that's what happened in that last game against Tampa Bay whereas worst case he gives up two or three earned runs in the other situation I mentioned it's not as bad obviously you don't want to give up those runs but there's still some room to work with but I will say I've defended Charlie Montoyo. We all have, I think, uh, there was a couple episodes ago where we all said, yeah, it's not him mismanaging the bullpen. It's guys not showing up. But if a guy is not as, if Dolis is not as good as, as you've expected him to, you can't keep putting him in these situations saying, can you please be as good as we need you to be? I think at some point, Montoyo has to look at Romano and say, okay, we're going to put you in these situations that it's not what you expected, but we need to see that you can at least get guys out in these situations and then get go- and then go into the ninth inning, once you trust him. But yeah, this is—I I think this is just a one, a bit of a one-off where I don't agree with what Montoya's is doing. I—I I still think he can manage this bullpen relatively well. I—he I, is getting reinforcements now. With, I mean, Taylor Sosa has not been terrible. He's been actually pretty good. Adam Simbers looked good so far. So he's getting guys back that he can at least trust, and maybe we see Baruchi, Hatch, guys like them come back soon. So I think all you got to do is you got to see where these guys fit in, figure out where the puzzles. Or where the pieces fit into the puzzle, but if Dolis is unfortunately not going to be one of those guys that you can say you're you're a back end of the reliever or back end of the game type reliever, then you gotta you you gotta switch him up a little bit because the bullpen does look a lot better than I think it than it did a couple of weeks ago or for sure a month ago. But if you still gotta, I think you still have to work things through. And you going into we're now into July, going into the almost halfway mark and then second half of the season you got to start solidifying things and you got to start winning games because this this pennant race this wildcard race it's definitely going to start to heat up and it's going to start to get a lot more difficult so as long as like I'm not saying Dolis is going to get thrown under the bus but he's going to need to prove himself in not as as serious situations in a game and then we can kind of build up a, a bit of tolerance but yeah it's like it's just it's it's saddening
1: yeah, and um, the problem—the problem with Dolis. Well, we all know that he has been his—I mean, himself this year and everything like that. But you know, I going back to what Mark said. Who? I mean, I don't necessarily blame Montoyo, but yeah, who—who who are you going to bring in other than—and um, especially in that situation yesterday? As much as I did find it weird, though, how. He immediately comes off the injury list and he's immediately thrown into a game like that. I kind of found that all of that strange. It, it definitely felt forced, but when you look at it going uh, to the day before, uh, Mark, you said it too. Jordan Romano pitched the day before, Tim Mesa did, Adam Simber pitched on back to back days. So uh, when Romano played the day before, he threw 18 pitches, Tim Mesa threw 21. And of course, Simber threw 18 and then he pitched back to back days and threw another 12. So those were the three relievers that were used the game prior to um, Sunday. And in that case, when you want a fresh arm, especially, I guess, someone coming off the injured list, I mean, obviously, you're going to bring in Deleys, and obviously, he's someone that kind of interests you to come into the game. So, it goes all the way back to who the Jays have, who they don't have, uh, the workload of these players, and unfortunately, this is all they have. And until more arms are coming, like I mentioned uh, last week, when it was just you and I, Mark, this is what's going to happen. You're going to have to see people like Rafael Deleys pitch, people like Tyler Chowan when he is healthy, you're going to have to see him pitch, um, Adam Simber definitely solves the problem for some of that, but he doesn't clear cut, you know, save the bullpen from going to Dolis to chat with in games. This is what you're going to have to deal with, uh, for the time being. So Dolis coming in, definitely a little bit strange because he's coming off the injured list, but going forward, if they're going to use him high, in high leverage situations, I can't really fault them for it Because other than him, the only really guy I would look at to possibly trust would be Anthony Castro and he hasn't been the greatest over the month of June. And um, somebody who has been reliable as well this year, and Joel Piamps isn't even with the team right now. He's in AAA. I believe they're carrying an extra lefty in the bullpen due to the fact that Tampa Bay has a lot of lefties. So I'm sure Piamps will be back after the All Star break at some point. But I mean, right now, the only really guy that I'm going to go to besides Simber, besides Romano, even you know, just players who are fresh would be Dolis right now, unfortunately. And Tim Meza um, is somebody who the Jays have relied on a lot as well. He's been pretty much kind of filling in the role of a setup man at some points. He's somebody that you can possibly trust, but of course we know that with lefties, you do the matchup on lefty-lefty. So you have to rely on one of these guys other than Simber and Romano. And right now, it's Dolis until you get more arms. That's just the way it's going to be for me for the the time being. I can't get mad at Charlie Montoyo. I don't get mad when... um, you know, it, it ends bad in terms of the result. When Dolis gave up three runs, it goes back to what we experienced or what how I explained to you, Mark, with chat with the last outing. I, I, ne- I didn't necessarily get mad. It's just something that you're going to have to deal with for the time being.
2: Yeah, and I think like things are going to look a lot different by July 31st, like by the the trade deadline. I think we're going to, if all goes well, Ryan Brucke looks like he's going to be back then. All goes well. Julian Merriweather's back by then, although I'm a little bit more skeptical. And if all goes well, you add an arm or two in the bullpen via trade. So things are gonna look lo- look a lot different then. But until then, you gotta roll with a guy like Dolis. You gotta roll with people like that in high leverage situations. And it's unfortunate, but you know, we've said it time and time again. It's a reality of this team. Um, okay, let's talk about some of the little bit better news that we got this week, specifically the news we got yesterday. Um out of Toronto slash Ottawa with the news that the Blue Jays have submitted a proposal to return to Toronto for July 30th. Um, They're also looking at returning to Toronto on August 20th, and they have received municipal approval from the City of Toronto. They've received provincial approval from the province of Ontario, and they're just waiting for federal approval from Ottawa for players crossing the border without quarantining. Um, This is an exciting development. I think we're all pretty pumped up. I think everyone... In Blue Jays fandom is pumped up about the Blue Jays potentially returning home as soon as a couple weeks from now. And I, I can just imagine the possibilities. You know, you make some trade deadline moves. You come back to Toronto. Maybe you have some fans in the stands. Um, at the very least, reduced capacity. Still, it would be electric to have that return home, to have that trade deadline push. I can just imagine it now. It's going to be incredible when and if it happens, hopefully sooner rather than later. I think... In my mind now, knowing these reports um, and knowing everything still hinges on the federal government, I put the Blue Jays returning to Toronto at August 20th. I think that's the most likely. I think July 30th is a little bit rushed and a little bit maybe outlandish. There's still a lot of problems to work through. Um, You still have this situation where, you know, maybe fully vaccinated players can come in and not have to quarantine, but unvaccinated players will have to go through a quarantine. I don't think the Players Association wants to do that and have players undergo that. I don't think opposing teams want to do that. So um, I think we're still a little bit away from it happening. So I'll put it August 20th for that second home stand starting. But still very, very exciting news and very optimistic if you're a Blue Jay fan.
0: I'll tell you what, I, as long as the tickets are not – well, first of all, if there are fans, because I think that's a little bit of an assumption that myself and probably others made that there would be fans – but so if there are, if fans are allowed in the game or at the game and the tickets are not ridiculously overpriced, I will, hopefully my boss isn't listening, but I will skip work and I will go watch a game. I'll drive down. I will, when was, I think the last time I, w- I went to a game was probably 2018. So nobody on this current roster I have seen live in person, which is crazy to think about, but I think we are to now Oscar. at the, if Ty oh, yeah, Oscar actually, was playing in that game. I Oh, yeah, you might be right, actually. So, yeah, almost everybody. But a lot a lot of the core guys besides Teoscar Hernandez, and I, maybe Ryan Barucki, I think, was on the roster that that year. But the point is, is it's been a, a darn long time since I've watched a Blue Jays game in person. But it looks like we're right at the exact same spot as we were almost a year ago where the Blue Jays, when the season was ramping up or when it was about to ramp up, they had asked if they could play in Toronto. The provincial government said yes the federal government which has a bit of a veto power over the provincial government said no so we're almost there i think we are the the province of ontario is is looking like it's in a very different and better place than it was a year ago but i'm not sure i still think i'm gonna still predict that it is july 30th because here I mean here's the thing it's going to be tough and no doubt and Mark Shapiro came out and said I think it was it was either yesterday or within the last couple days that the the team is going to need at least three weeks to uh, to work through everything to return to Toronto so it it, currently it's July the 5th I would say if they get news within the next couple days maybe week then that's reasonable now Shapiro, uh, Shapiro did also say that if need be they could kind of rush that that processing time t- down maybe a couple weeks or, or a week less or something like that. So we'll see. It could happen. Uh, I'm still predicting that it is July 30th and it'll be definitely a very entertaining thing. But I think like the biggest thing here is based off of what I've been reading is the, the, is that the vaccinated versus unvaccinated fans is what's kind of, not fans, uh, players is what's kind of causing the, the hurdle here, because you, you look at, uh, it it seems as if I, I believe it was 22 of the 30 MLB teams have now reached that 85% vaccination threshold threshold, which is still good, which is good, but still 85% is not 100%. So you have people that are vaccinated or, or that are fully vaccinated, maybe one with only one dose or, or with no doses. And that's going to be the, the biggest hurdle is trying to figure out how you can work around that. The... Interesting thing still Montreal Canadians they're currently playing as we record this they had their series with Vegas where they went to and from the two cities They've had their series with the Tampa Bay Lightning, which could be ending by the time this episodes up, but They've had two different teams come in and so far the the I, I, is what what I've got is that it's kind of more of a Not necessarily a bubble, but there are still restrictions in place so I'm predicting that would still be part of the agreement to come into Toronto they do have the the rogers center does have the benefit of that hotel on the back of it so if there is some type of quarantine or some type of whatever they have a bit of leeway but i i i feel like if there is a quarantine it would have to still be team uh, team wide because you're not going to say okay you five players you're going to quarantine while the other guys can go do whatever they want like that's not going to happen but it's definitely it's a very exciting time first time i think with the exception of, I think, the Leafs, the first time that any of the big three Toronto teams have been playing in Toronto or expect to play in Toronto. So it'll be a fun time. I'm just looking to see the Rogers Centre again. Like, I want to obviously go and see it in person, but it's just, it's something about the Rogers Centre. Maybe it's just because I am a Blue Jay fan, so I I have positive associations with it, but it is still, I think, a nice ballpark, and it'll be fun, I think, to, to finally see that. And it'll be fun for some of these players. Like, you look at Hyunjin Ryu... Signed a four-year deal, he hasn't played a single game in the the home ballpark that he expected to, and he signed it in 2019, so before the pandemic hit, he was expecting to play probably opening day or the uh, the home opener in Toronto, and obviously that didn't end up happening. So it'll be nice for some of these players to see that, to see the Rogers Centre. But even once fans come back, you know, you look at, I think it you see in sports that Arash Madani, Hazel May, they're always uh, mentioning to to guys like Marcus Simeon, they're like. This is, like, you have not played a single game in front of, or in your actual home ballpark, and they would mention how, like, the fact that you got voted into the All-Star break, or, or into the All-Star game proves that these fans truly do love these players, and it's it'll be a very exciting thing to see. Uh, I I hope that a lot of fans can at least get into the game. You know, the capacity of 50,000 is definitely not realistic, but if you can at least have most of if not all of the sections open but with capacity that would be very uh, or with distancing and all these regulations in place it'll it'll for sure be a very fun thing and I can only imagine hearing that crowd roar and a potential type of almost second home opener or third home opener at this point because they had their one in Buffalo and in Dunedin but it'll be a very fun thing all we need now is uh, we need uh, Mr. Trudeau please pull some plays and Please let us. All I want to see is this team in Toronto. It's been so long. Please.
1: All off season, all year, I've been saying it. They will be back <laughs> at some point this year. I said hundred percent they'd be back. And um, you know, I hate to say I told you guys, but I just, you know, I just it had to. It,
0: it, <laughs> how, no how sir, long? you said July I did. Fir- I said hundred
1: percent they'd
2: be back at some point. <laughs>
0: oh, yeah.
1: They go back and mm-hmm. check the tapes. Whoever's listening. Uh, okay. Anyways,
2: what I was trying but, to say yeah, is well, Jacob's <laughs> point is right that you did say July first.
1: July first was the optimistic <laughs> time, but you also both you guys said zero percent they'd play. Yeah. We did over unders. We guys said zero, said zero games.
2: games. Both of us said zero games.
1: So yep, we'll see. Here we we still could be right. Well, you could be, you could be, but the planet. The, the point is, like this can't be going on forever. And if if they can't come back July thirtieth, like I don't know what what's going to bring them back. And they've been in discussions with the federal government for, I mean, pretty much all year. So that's why I don't know if this is entirely rushed. And pretty much what we've been hearing too is Rob Longley has pretty much been releasing a bunch of threads about this, saying that this was kind of flown under the radar in terms of a few weeks ago. Like this proposal wasn't just submitted. Like this was submitted over a week ago and uh, at least a couple weeks ago. And uh, TFC, Toronto FC, they're also in a similar situation. They're actually aiming to play games on July 17th. So you have to imagine the federal government's kind of is gonna, I guess, either accept or reject this like together. Like it seems like we're gonna get an answer probably soon. If, as Jacob, you were mentioning too, what Mark Shapiro said that they're they're gonna need at least a couple weeks in order to, I guess, get. I mean, every move all the equipment up to Rogers Center because Rogers Center, in terms of the field and everything, the field is ready. Everything is ready at the Rogers Center. All they're missing is, yes, the field is ready. I can confirm that per sources. So. <laughs> The field's ready. They need the equipment. That's what's obviously going to hold them back. And yes, there's going to be a lot of agreements that they're like the. This is major MLBPA because uh, you guys were talking about this. What's going to be? What, is there going to be a quarantine? Are the players going to be allowed to live out of you know not the Renaissance Hotel or the hotel connected to Rogers Center? Is are the players going to be able to to live? You know, the visiting players are going to be able to leave their hotel? There's a lot of things I got to get sorted out, and I'm sure this is all part of the proposal. So we're going to find out. Uh, sooner rather than later, what the details are. But the the fact is, and going back to an episode two when it was Mark, you, um, Mark and I, Jacob, I don't think you were there. Uh, they, you know, I was saying, I don't think there's any risk in terms of holding at least 10,000 people at Rogers Center. So from what we know too, because Blue Jays Hot Stove on Twitter was actually the first one to report this before Shai Davidi released his article on it. Apparently they are aiming for at least 25% capacity to start. It's 25 to 50, but... You have to imagine if they were to allow any fans, you'd figure it'd be 25%. So that's fine. Um, it just feels like there's a lot of details that have to be, I guess, sorted out. But the amount of development this has kind of taken over the next couple of days, because apparently, too, August 20th was the original date in terms of them coming back. And it didn't look like at the time they were even going to be getting approval from the federal government, but based on, I guess, how quickly things have progressed in Canada and especially in Ontario, uh, them coming back has seemed like a realistic plan. And going back to, to the NHL topic when we were talking about um, how they were being allowed across the border, as much as it's different, it's a playoff series, they were have to stay in a modified bubble in a hotel, you're still opening that door. For people to cross the the border the cfl they're going to be back in august players only have to quarantine for seven days you're seeing all these little rules and updated restrictions or looser restrictions for these players and of course as of today uh canadians who are double vaccinated don't have to quarantine so there's a lot of things that are developing now and we're getting to the point now where it's going to come sooner rather than later if the jays are going to be able to play here in toronto and you know it seems like we've, we've obviously just been spitballing it all year but we're going to be getting a, an answer very soon from the federal government. And the same thing happened last year. You guys mentioned it too. The provincial government and municipal government both signed off on it, but it was the federal government who denied it, which is why I don't want to get my hopes up completely because it can easily be the exact same thing. But however, if they're denied yeah. on July 30th, it feels like August 20th um, is another, I guess, timetable or another target date. But I mean, why? What, like, I, I still don't see the difference. If, they're, if they've been planning this all year... And talking to the federal government, you know, in keeping in contact on a regular basis, how much, like, what's the, I don't, I don't understand why you'd wait. So I'm hoping they're back July 30th. I think it's been overdue. I think it's long overdue. And quite frankly, I, th- I think it's time for them to come home. And it, the one thing, too, is when they are back, whether it's on July 30th or August 20th, they better have... A whole opening ceremony thing, like they do on the home opener. I want Charlie Montoyo introduced. I want Tyler Chatwood introduced. I want Rafael Delise introduced. <laughs> I want everyone o- introduced. I want to see the standing ovation for Vladimir Guerrero Jr. I want to see it all. I want to feel. I want it to feel like it's March and we're you're going to the home opener at Rogers Center. So that's all I'm hoping, and I feel like they'd have something similar for that. So keep your hopes up that they could be back for a potential playoff push.
0: I'm gonna predict if they. Don't come back either. If they don't come back by August 20th, I'm still going to predict July 30th. But if it's not August 20th, I'm thinking the they probably finish the regular season in Buffalo and come back for either. Maybe they play the wild card game. I don't know if that would be the case. But uh if it's if the wild card game is in Toronto, that's probably when they would uh, come in, assuming they make the playoffs. Interesting.
2: Yeah. Now I want fans back just so we can hear the booze when they introduce. <laughs> Uh Triller Montoyo and Rafael oh, Deise and Tyler Chatwood. not that I want them to be booed again. We've been over this a million times, but it would just be entertaining. You'll love to see it um <laughs> okay, other cool news from this week um four Blue Jays named all stars. you mentioned this earlier, Bryce, and you got Vladimir Guerrero Jr. being the youngest player ever to lead all of baseball in votes for the all star game. You have Mark Simeon also getting in. You have Teoscar Hernandez getting in with a last-minute push on the day of voting closing. And then you have Bo Bichette making it as a reserve and him being named yesterday to the roster. Um, it's really cool to see four guys on the team, especially when you you know the team hasn't been there in Toronto in two years. And you still have this kind of support for the team. Still have this kind of you know mobilization of the troops, per se, to vote for players. It's awesome to see it. And I think it really does go to show that this generation of the Blue Jays is so much better than anything we've seen in recent years. Not just going back, you know, a few years to the pretty rough years of 2017, 2018, like going back, even I think to 2015, like we haven't seen this type of team with this homegrown talent for such a long time. You go back to the hopes of 2013. That was a lot of trades that year. You look at Ari Dickey, you look at those guys coming in that year. You go back even to the start of Blue Jay history, not a lot of this talent has been homegrown. And I think we're seeing a new type of team and a new type of fan support rally around them. And it's really exciting.
0: I'm just going to say the last time the Blue Jays had this many All-Stars, uh, something very good happened that year. Somebody by the name oh. of Joe Carter won the World Series for the Blue Jays. And, I mean, it could happen. Uh, but, yeah, what you're saying, Mark, it's, it's such a – I feel like this is such an entertaining – group of Blue Jays, I think this current group is better than the 2015-16 team, so, sort of, I mean the pitching is equal-ish, I would say, it depends on how you look at it, but I would say that this offense is a little bit better, it, it, I think that the whole, the small ball at times is there, you don't necessarily see, like the Blue Jays rely on home runs obviously, and they can hit home runs, but they can win without the home run, and I think that's the cool thing, but I think also, you know, we're kind of at that age now, where we saw a lot of these guys get drafted and get signed. You know, Guerrero was only signed in 2015. Nate Pearson, who isn't with the team, but he was—I think it was 2017—he was drafted. Bichette was drafted 2016. You see, Biggio, the Bichette, Guerrero—the three of them win that championship with uh, New Hampshire in—I want to say it was 2018 or 19. Like we've seen a lot of these guys develop and yeah, grow. And mm-hmm, yeah, so we've seen like we've seen all these guys. Become almost who they, ha- who they are, and I think that's definitely a very entertaining thing for Blue Jay fans. You see a management, kind of, there was a bit of a turnover with the management and the team struggled, but we all knew that eventually it was going to get better. It's finally there, and the Blue Jays, they have their good players and the team's going to defend them, and it's, it's definitely, it's a good thing. But the one thing I will say that I don't like about the All-Star game is, and this is no disrespect to him, but I don't think Mike Trout should be there. It, like he's not gonna play. He hasn't played since I think May or April. Like it's it's been a long time. He's and he's he's not gonna play for a while. And I just I feel like some guys did did get snubbed. And it's just I don't I don't think that if you're injured then you should be on the All Star team. I mean you can at least like you could be a reserve maybe. I mean or I, there's no honorable mentions obviously. But I still don't think that you should necessarily have a guy that's not going to play takeover because there are definitely some other guys that could have uh, could have taken spots. But either way, I'm happy about the Blue Jays that made it. And good thing for Bichette also getting uh, that last spot as a reserve. But yeah, easily. You could have, like if George Springer was healthy, you could have easily had three, two or three at least Blue Jay outfielders in that all-star game. Like it, like it's, it's just, it, it's crazy how many good players this team has.
1: <clears throat> yeah, that's uh, that's interesting that you um, don't like the idea of Trout being there. Because, uh, yeah, I mean, that's the first I've heard. I know he has been injured all year, but just the fact that it's Mike Trout, that's why I don't really have a problem with it. And if he is replaced, somebody who was snubbed is going to get in. So that's why I'm fine with it. But it's just, it's all around cool because you have four of them, or sorry, you have three of them starting. You have Obuchet who's going to appear at some point in the game. And, um, you know, I just all around too. I mean, Shohei Otani, Mark, you wanted to have a discussion about him. He got voted in as both a pitcher and a DH, and apparently, from what I saw today, that the Angels were open to him even pitching, uh, in terms of his term through the rotation, that he would be fine if he pitched in the All-Star game, so that would be cool if he pitched and hit it the same game, Um, and I know we've seen it a few times this year already, but it just you know, on the bright stage of the all-star game, that'd be really cool. But in terms of the roster, I mean, it's obviously stacked. You have four, you have three blue Jays there four in total. I'm definitely going to be watching. This definitely got me to watch. I mean, it's, it's definitely different going back to a few years ago when you have one or two, uh, this is a lot. And this is a lot, something you can definitely get used to in terms of Vladimir Guerrero Jr. being here, Bo Bichette, Teoscar Hernandez. I hope they find a way to keep Marcus Simeon. I really do. And he's been quite a steal this year and he's been, he's deserves it from based on what we've seen so far But yeah. Um, um, for I think we all expected Guerrero and Simeon to be there. I was kind of, I, I was a little bit shocked with Hernandez making that late surge and I'm glad he was, or he did make that late surge. And I was even more shocked that, uh, Bo Bichette was going to get, in. I just didn't feel like there was going to be four Blue Jays going, but either way, it's good for the, uh, it's good for the brand and it's good for just baseball to see the amount of young talent that this team really does have in the future that they have. And we are in good hands as much as, um, you know it, they we are in good hands as much as the team's been underperforming at times this year it's just all these headlines or these faces and these faces of the franchise it's going to be uh, it's going to be fun watching the all-star game i'm actually for the first time in a while i'm more excited for it than usual and um of course the one thing i am excited for is seeing shohei Otani in the home run
2: derby too it's going to be must-watch tv more so than usual for a lot of us myself namely for watching the home run derby but yeah, I mean it is really exciting, and you look at the fact that I don't know. I'm a little bit mad that Errolis Chapman made the roster with the ERA that he has um, since June. Th- what is it, fifth or sixth? Since they started enforcing the sticky substance rule, his ERA I think is twenty two point five or something ridiculous like yeah. that. Like Brett Brett Phillips's ERA is lower in that time, <laughs> um, so. I mean, it's ridiculous that he made the roster with his ERA being what it is and with the Yankees being what they are. I know the team doesn't really matter when it comes to all-star game selection, but I think it's stupid that Chapman made it over more deserving candidates like, in my opinion, Robbie Ray being one of them, Jordan Romano being one of them. But anyways, we got enough all-stars in there. We don't want to be too greedy. It's exciting to see them get on the roster. On the topic of Mike Trout, um, yeah, like... I don't know, it doesn't annoy me as much as Roldis Chapman making the roster does. Because Mike Trout, when he was healthy, he was one of the best players in baseball. He was competing with Vladdy in terms of the pace that he was setting offensively. So that doesn't annoy me. Even if he is injured, he put up good numbers. What doesn't annoy me is someone being healthy the entire time, putting up bad numbers and getting into the All-Star game. But besides that, I think they did a pretty good job, the fans and Major League Baseball, in making those final reserve decisions. Um, In selecting players, I think in previous years we've seen A lot of questionable decisions, like 2015 with the, whatever it was, like eight uh, Royals getting named, and I think there was a year when we had an all-Cubs infield or something like that, so there's been a few ridiculous years along the way, and I think this year has done a pretty good job of selecting the talented players and the cream of the crop. One of them that should have been starting, in my opinion, Cedric Mullins, didn't get to start, but that's okay. I think we did a pretty good job this year of selecting the right players for the job.
1: Blue Jays killer, Cedric Mullins. Yeah, but I mean also before we wrap things up. Um yeah, serious prediction uh for these three games against the Orioles, both of you go. I think
2: the Blue Jays are hot right now. I think they'll sweep.
0: Yeah, I was I was going to say that. I wanted to look at who they had starting, but honestly, I mean, I don't think it matters. Baltimore is it's not that good of a team and Blue Jays are a much better team. They I mean, they almost swept the Rays. They were only I mean, if Dolis didn't have that rough outing, if the offense was a little bit better, they easily would have won that. So I think they'll sweep. I, I truly do. If they don't sweep, then they'll win it. If they lose it or get swept, then you know, gosh, we we all need to get fired. But uh, they're going to win this series. I th- either a win, two to one win or a sweep.
1: Yeah, no, going, going into Tropicana Field on the weekend coming off a series loss uh, is going to make me lose my mind. So I'm going <laughs> to have to go with the benefit of the doubt. And say they sweep heading into Tampa because, especially because of how bad that place is for the Jays, they really do need a sweep. So I'm hoping that is the case, and I'm hoping they can find a way to do that. And uh, it'll continue to push them up the wildcard standings, the divisional standings. So it's something that they need as much as more of what I want.
0: They have, I just looked at it, they have Steven Matz going game one, Hyunjin Ryu going game two, and Alec Manoa going game three. I think the Manoa game is a, is a win, guaranteed. Manoa's been fantastic. Ryu is going to need to bounce back, and Steven Matz is... I think we've we seen what Steven Matz is. He's not a bad pitcher, but he's not not the, the 130 ERA that he was earlier on in the season. But I still think they have a, a legit chance at sweeping this team.
2: I will say, if the Blue Jays get swept in this series by the Orioles, I don't think we just deserve to be fired. Like, I'm going to swear <laughs> off the... Blue Jays for life. Like, if they get swept by the Orioles this point in their season, that's that's game over for me. I quit. Uh, But yeah, um, it should be fun. We got six games left for the All Star break. Uh, Took two of one, uh, two of three from the Rays. Hopefully they can keep it going. Uh, One last thing to mention before we wrap it up is that we are planning on doing uh, mid. Season Awards special episode over the All-Star break. So stay tuned for that. We're going to have a fan vote for a lot of the awards as well. So stay tuned to our socials, as always, at Section138Pod. That's on Twitter and on Instagram where you can vote for that. So that's going to be coming out over the next few days. Stay tuned. But until then, you can rate and review this podcast on Apple Podcasts. Just help spread the word about what we're doing. You can support our podcast on Patreon, patreon.com section138pod. And you can watch these episodes in addition to listening to them on anywhere you get your podcasts. You can watch them on YouTube. Um, So until next time, until we come off this series sweep against the Orioles, we will catch you.